0: Paging Dr. Seiler. Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including, but not limited to, wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available, and
1: right here, this is the Stock Doctor's
0: Prescription.
1: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. And you are listening to us right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Joining me this morning is the fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart. How Our megalennial, Nikki Ward. Justin is on hiatus.
2: This Justin is out.
1: He's out for the next couple of weeks. This Justin is just out. Justin, just out. But we appreciate you guys joining us, and uh, I assure you, listening to us today, you're going to learn something.
2: Without a doubt.
1: You're going to learn something about the markets. You're going to learn something about something, about stocks, about interest rates, about the Fed, about something, because there is a lot going on these days. And, and for the millennials that are doing the show with me today, which are, these guys are really, really brilliant, brilliant kids, by the way.
2: We're outnumbering you today. Yes,
1: you are. But you guys are, are brilliant kids. And- and it's it's great to see. Hey, look, I've been doing this a long time. You guys obviously haven't been doing it as long, but you, you're you're veterans, all right. You guys have been doing it for a while. But it's great to see different things happen in the markets. It's great to see how things are so always changing and always a new crisis going on when it comes to <laughs> stocks. Right? I mean, this is an I unprecedented
2: right event.
1: Everything is unprecedented in the markets.
2: At least within our careers, yeah, it really has been.
1: Well, and, you know, and, and when you look at it is, it's funny because I talked to a client uh, yesterday, and he was telling me,
2: oh,
1: they're going to do digital currency, that the dollar's going away, and this and that, and, and and Russia and Ukraine and blah, 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 and inflation's this and that. And he goes, this is this is unprecedented. It's You know, this is something that's it's, it's never been done before, never happened. I go, look, first of all, the fact that when people say it's different this time, <laughs> it's never different this time. And here's what I told him yesterday. I thought of this. It was a great quote, by the way. I said, you are singing a different song on the same album because it all ends up being the same. And look, in 2007, 2008, when people were losing their homes, the places they live, they had to leave. After two years, of course, they had to leave. They got foreclosed on. Oh, this is unprecedented. We've never seen this before. And like, oh, this is crazy. It's never gonna. The world's coming to an end. Okay, in March, April, two thousand twenty. Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this virus is gonna wipe out populations we know it. Oh my god, we shut down the government. Are you kidding me? Shut down the economy. This is this is never gonna market all time highs. Recently, yeah, January in. And to me, in my opinion, September 11, 2001, was the worst day in history of this of this country, and and maybe that you the experienced world. that I've experienced in in maybe in the world. Okay. When you have two planes flying to your your money center, mm-hmm. and of course, the markets were shut down those several days. It was shut down for like a week or so. I don't forget. I, I'll never forget seeing that on. We have seen BC running, and I'm like, a plane just flew into the, to the trade center? At first, everybody thought it was an accident. Right. And then, obviously, when the second one flies in, that's no accident. But my point is, and the point I'm trying to make is, everybody thought New York will never be the same. It's
2: never coming back. It's It'll never, never recover. back. No
1: one will ever want to live there again. This world is a disaster. And, you know, we went to airports and saw... Uh, security with machine guns. We had never seen that in this country. Now we've seen it in other countries. Never saw it here. But what happened? It took a while, but the markets rebounded. And look, we go back to saying that we, as financial advisors or or investment managers or wealth managers, we don't know, have no idea where the next 20% of the market is going to go. We don't know if it's going up. We don't know if it's going down. However, we do know where the next 100% goes. All-time highs. It's not going down cuz you can't go down 100%. Nope. So, it will again go up all-time highs. We don't know when.
2: And part of what we are paid to do is to steward the ship during those uncertain times. I love
1: that I love that word steward.
2: Cuz that's what we do. We stick to the plan. We put the plan in for a reason and if those reasons change then we deviate from the plan but if the only thing that has changed is outside pressures that does not change the plan
1: and if you're not sure about your plan I suggest you call the following number 407-831-8002 407-831-8002 give us a call let us go over your portfolio free portfolio review no obligation We'll do a risk analysis and make sure that you are either taking enough risk or that you're not taking too much risk.
0: That's a good point, Lee. A lot of people don't realize when you think of a risk analysis is like, oh, I'm taking too much risk. A lot of people are not taking enough risk, especially when you're younger and have 30 plus years um, and you're in a conservative portfolio that's gaining two or three percent a year. Like, well. Now you're you're just just as bad as the people who are taking are taking too much risk when they're sixty. You're not going to have enough money for retirement. Well, and ju- you know we have found, and and
1: Justin and I have been looking at investors or clients' four hundred one k's for years and years and years, and we found that because we don't manage all the four hundred one k money. They're usually taking more risk in their 401k than anywhere else. I mean, they're just finding, look at their, they're looking in the rearview mirror and saying, okay, these funds did the best. Let me just invest in those.
2: What I found is that they are not, I don't want to use the word ignorant, but they lack education because there isn't someone that's provided to them to educate them on their choices. So that's where we can come in handy as far as being outside advisor on some of those four oh one Ks. Exactly.
1: And we can do that. So give us a call 407-831-8002 So now let's talk about uh we are recording the show. It's not being uh we're not doing it live, obviously. So we are recording the show today. It's actually a day early. It's on a Wednesday. Hump day. <laughs> Hump day Wednesday, March twenty third, and it's three fifteen PM So the markets are open. And I'm gonna give you a little update of what the markets are doing. Now we've had a pretty good week thus far. I mean, yesterday was an outstanding day. Monday was a pretty good day.
2: Coming off of another
1: a great week. great week last week and we'll talk about that too, but as of right now at uh, with 45 minutes left in today's session, the Dow Jones down 358 at 34449, the Nasdaq down 155 at 13956, and the S&P down 42 at 4469. Um, last week was it the best week the market had in 16 months. It was led by the NASDAQ, which just ripped up 8.5% on the week, the S&P up 6.2, the Dow Jones 5.5, and the Russell 5.4. But after two straight weeks of declines, I mean, it really looked to me there was a lot of short covering last week, and that that certainly can spring things higher, and you have that, that slingshot effect. Uh, we still have a lot of... I think a lot of speculation on on recession. But what I haven't seen yet, and just because we had a great week last week, and by the way, we are close to having a positive month of March, believe it or not, despite the the first two weeks. So we had such a good week last week. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I don't think we're out of the woods yet with market downside. I, I mean, I think that we're close and we are bottoming. Certainly charts are showing me that specific charts. And some of the major important companies like the Apples of the world and the Googles of the world those are important companies to this economy and to this market. They are certainly bottoming, but I'm not sure. We haven't seen that serious capitulation, that that point in the market where everybody is so terrified they throw in the towel. I mean, we saw it a couple days, where, and we could tell that by client phone call volume.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, last week was rather quiet on the phones.
1: But we were up last week.
2: And that was my point, was yeah. that no one was calling us and giving us a good job or anything like that.
1: The week before... We had some clients and people were concerned at, hey, what if what's going to happen here? There's a war. But again, folks... Should we go, to the, you, you go to all cash? You don't ever want to go to all cash. You don't... Look, the markets ebb and they flow. And we are in a correction phase. And we are in that 15% correction phase, which normally takes a, a several months to work, wake up out of it. And we're seeing that. But we're going to talk about some stocks.
2: I don't think the bit. worst of it is over, like you said. No,
1: we we're still a little bit more downside. But I don't think that we have a major decline ahead of us either because the talk about recession, not inflation, we know inflation's here. Inflation, I believe, is going to peak out in the next few months, probably by June, July, but it's the recession talk now.
2: Yeah, new chicken little.
1: And I just don't, look, recessions don't occur when you're at full employment.
2: There are two job openings for every person looking for work right now. That is a strong labor market.
1: That is absolutely lunacy
2: it just goes to show i mean it's pretty nuts we went from what 22 million jobs lost during the height of the pandemic to yeah now 11.7 million job openings
1: so you know i that's that's the point though is that when you have a lot of jobs recessions are caused by layoffs mm-hmm. and recessions are caused and the fed when they do when they go into their tightening strategy and they start wanting to slow the economy down their objective normally is they need to create some unemployment. That's what's going to slow the economy down. But right now, we have, as you said, two jobs for every one person looking, and I don't see that we're going to be in a recession anytime soon. I think at some point, probably 23 or 24, but not now, not this year, and probably not next year, because you can't just flip the switch and say, hey, GDP is over 7%, but let's flip the switch and oh, now, we're negative GDP for two quarters. Not going to happen.
2: No, I definitely see slowing GDP growth, but it's not going to be negative. It's not yeah, the housing higher.
0: markets, too. Like, every market <laughs> pretty much we can talk about is strong right now. That does not lead to recessions.
1: And, and, you know, we we talking about the housing market. Great point, bringing that up, is that now we have a 10-year treasury that jumped to 2.4 as the Fed's raised rates last week. Uh, but the, the 10-year was already on its way. But now the average 30-year fixed mortgage uh, with balances that are less than 647000 increased to 4.5% from 4.27%. That's a far cry from that sub-3s and low-3s that folks have been spoiled and have been using for uh, refinancing or new home purchases. Do
2: you think we'll ever get back in the 3s?
1: In the threes,
0: yes. I don't think we'll ever get back in the twos. That would be a tough call. I, I would be really, I mean, it would have to would create, be another like event of a coronavirus magnitude to ever get to that level again. I mean, I'm sure,
2: there will be another unprecedented event in our careers, Jared. T, <laughs> don't minus, T, you minus, worry.
0: T minus two years of counting. With, with recession, if a recession does occur,
1: and, and it will, we will have another recession. I'm just saying it's not happening this year. It's not happening as quick as people think. Mm-mm. Is that I think that, um, when, when people start losing their jobs losing their homes uh, already rates are up so I think what the rates are going to do is slow the appreciation process of housing
2: which could use it
1: well yeah it could use it
0: it's been uh, it's been on a rocket ship upwards
2: yeah
1: I mean you just you can't continue at this rate now Do I think that we're going to see a serious decline in housing prices? I don't think so, because we still have a housing shortage. Mm No. We come back. We'll talk more about the Fed. We'll talk about, uh, hey, it was the best week in 16 months. Russia, Ukraine, 30 tips investing in the market. We'll be right back. Here's a quick list of things that you do not need from a financial advisor. They do not need to be in the tallest building in town. They do not need to have a one-size-fits-all program. They do not need a zombie apocalypse survival plan. Here are a few things you do need from a financial advisor, a firm that takes their fiduciary responsibility to heart. Your success is their success. Custom-built portfolios, not cookie cutters. The ability to use stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and exchange-traded funds to make the right combination of security and investments for each client. I'm Lee Seiler, The Stock Doctor. Let my team and I give you a complimentary portfolio checkup. Call 888-855-2855. That's 888-855-2855. Free financial review, no obligation, except for zombies. Zombies are on their own. Hey, everybody, we are back. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. If you have questions or you'd like to discuss your portfolio with us, all you have to do is call 407-831-8002. 407-831-8002. You can also email us feedback at stockdr.com. That's feedback at stockdr.com so uh before the break we were talking about housing prices and you know one thing about housing is that it is most people's biggest investment so don't get concerned first of all to me you know you have paper gains and, and you realize and i realize to me your home your primary residence appreciating That's an unrealized gain and that's paper because unless you choose and you're going to either downsize because you can't really move laterally, you can't upsize unless you're willing to put a lot of money out right now because if you own a home, which Nikki, you said something about the average home sold in February was what?
2: For a new home, it was over half a million dollars.
1: Okay. So the average new home sold in the month of February is a half a million dollars. So if you own a $400,000 house, you say, I want to upgrade, it's going to cost you a hundred to upgrade. So
2: plus it's probably at a higher,
1: and now you're going to be at a higher rate. Probably because I think I would venture to think that anybody that wanted to refinance their house over the last, you had three years or four or five years to do it probably already did it. And now you're talking The refinancing is plunging down 14%. And, you know, you're you're at four and a half percent. And by the way, this just in based on history, a four and a half percent mortgage is a really good rate. But people have been spoiled. <laughs> so some of the concerns when we had clients call in, they're concerned of course geopolitically. And look, what what's happening in Ukraine is just horrendous. Where it's appalling. The, The Russians are bombing elementary schools and attacking hospitals. I mean, just really crazy stuff like that. But that doesn't affect the stock market for that long. It just doesn't.
2: It affects Russia's, though.
1: Yeah, well, they just opened.
2: I I saw that for the first time since I think it was February 24th.
1: Yeah, in weeks. So let me just go over a couple of geopolitical things and tell you how it played out. You know, the last, and, and you know, the Boston Marathon bombing, is that geopolitical? Maybe not. I mean, they were they were Middle Eastern, but, you know, we'll just say yes. Um,
2: it was an act of terror. It
1: occurred in 2013 on, of course, tax day, uh, April 15th. And <laughs> that, the one day, that's what it was about. Yes, the one-day return when that happened, <laughs> excuse me, was 2.5% down. But a year later, the market was up 19%. When the, when the I, I mentioned the 9-11 terror attacks. The day, the one-day return after, remember the markets got shut down that day, but the next day return when it was open was down 5%, and the next year was down 1375 That was really the worst of all these geopolitical. If you look at the uh, Iraq's invasion of Kuwait in 1990, all right, when they invaded, we were down 1%, but the market was up 13.5% a year later. Uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. We were down the day of, up 31% a year after. We're quickly heading to another Cuban Missile Crisis (laughs) at this point. North Korea invades South Korea. That was in 1950. We were down 5% that day, up 20% a year later. Pearl Harbor, that was an attack on our soil. The day of, the market was down 4%. One year later, we were up 3.7%. And it did go down 20%, the max drawdown. So the point is, is that these things occur and eventually the markets will recover. It, it always does. Again, going back to we don't know where the next 20% is up or down. It, Just
2: like we don't know geopolitically what's going to happen.
1: We don't know. I tend to think that you're going to have some kind of resolution
2: I, I really like the Russia hope so. Ukraine
1: situation and I, I'm I'm just so proud of what Zelensky has done over there. I mean the guy is just unbelievable what he has done and, and the people over there uh I'm horrified of what, what Russia has done. You know, we don't know if China's gonna help them. We believe maybe not, probably, but we don't know. So anyway, that that's the point is we don't know. So um Again, we're recording the show on Wednesday, the 23rd, and there are about 30 minutes left in the trading day. So uh, the markets are down today, but we've had a pretty good rally. I mean, last week was outstanding, you know, 8% on the NASDAQ, over 6% on the the S&P. Today, we're down 300 and change on the Dow, 140 and change on the NASDAQ, the S&P down. But, uh, you know, 4,500 in the S&P is going to be some kind of resistance. That's what we're seeing now. But what we also notice is that I told you some big important companies are trying to bottom and we're getting several of these companies with price upgrades from some major analyst firms or or research firms. I mean, JP Morgan, by the way, they put an overweight on Apple. And if you look at the chart on Apple, it's been just absolutely great bounce off the 200 day moving average. It's been straight up literally for about six, seven trading sessions. And when Apple hit the low, it hit a low below the 200-day moving average. It was uh, let me see if I can see it. I'm trying to see. It was 150. It got to 150 and 10 cents, and now here at 171. So a big run, and that, that 150 and 10 cents that occurred on, on March 14th. Whew. So JPM, JP Morgan has a reiterated. I mean, they overweight buy on Apple. Uh, Jeffries has a reiterated buy on Tesla. Tesla is very much of the same scenario. I mean, this is a big, important company. It is over a trillion-dollar market cap. It's broken a downtrend. The stock is up today, by the way, up uh, six and change. It hit 1,000 finally, got back to 1,000. Jeffries has a reiterated buy on Tesla at $1,250. That's their price target. Then you got NVIDIA, N-V-D-A. By the way, we own Apple. I own it personally, as well as clients. We own Tesla. I own it personally, as well as clients. I think Nikki, you own Tesla too.
2: And Apple. Mm-hmm. And
1: Apple. Okay. And then Nvidia. We do own for clients, and we own it. I own it personally as well. But uh, just so you know, Apple is our number one holding for our clients, for our wealth management clients, and Tesla's number three now. Tesla's number three. Nvidia is number six in our individual stock holding list. So um, Nvidia had. An unbelievable investor call. I mean, Kramer was just falling all over it. I mean, they were they were getting their legs humped for sure.
2: <laughs> Ew! Stop, my dog. My Your dog me. does that. I have a puppy, and he just discovered humping. First of all, but now he's this one toy. He does like this side hump. So it's so lazy. He just sits there and just gyrates. <laughs> okay. it's revolting. The side hump. Yes.
1: Okay. It's but, the
2: laziest thing I've ever seen.
1: But Nvidia has imp- introduced some tremendous look. I'm not a tech guy. But had an incredible investor day on Tuesday. They had tons of new products focused on AI, Metaverse, Omniverse, and supercomputer chips. I mean, but the stock did rally twenty percent in the last week, up into this investor day. So it was no surprise that today it's down seven bucks at two fifty-eight. We own Nvidia, and I'll tell you a quick story. We we own Nvidia. We doubled our money on it. We sold half the position at three hundred. That was a double then we bought back in at 230. So here we are at 258. Now we still own the half at 150 and we have the second part at 230. So Nvidia analysts are saying this could be the first trillion dollar semiconductor company.
2: They have incredible margins as well. Very high and healthy margins. It's
1: incredible. And uh currently the stock is at 650 billion dollar market cap, which puts it you know, probably top 10 as far as the market capitalization is concerned. I
2: believe it's 12% more than Facebook's market cap.
1: Really? I thought Facebook was close to a trillion, actually. Um, you, you're absolutely right. It's 582. Well, Facebook was near a trillion. It
2: mm, was.
1: Yeah. 582 billion for Facebook, and NVIDIA is 600 and change billion. So um, <laughs> the analysts, excuse me, the analysts... another goldman sachs buy on tesla um morgan stanley did an overweight on nike by the way nike came out that's n-k-e it's they just did it yeah they they did it for sure they beat street estimates and guided higher despite COVID related headwinds and ongoing supply chain issues and disruption um improving trends in in china are encouraging for the company and the underlying demand trends are likely to remain clouded, however, until the summer, but it's uh their direct to consumer is doing phenomenal, so they're eliminating some of the wholesale, and which is which is increasing some margins there.
2: I think they really have pinpointed what people want and they give it to them
1: look i I love Nike, I love the product i um I own several pair.
2: Yeah, my favorite uh, running shoes. I'll
1: continue, well, I don't run, but I'll continue to buy Nikes. But, you know, it's a Dow component, and the stock has been on the defensive. Hit a high of 179 in November and uh, got down to below 120 as of recently.
2: Well, and everyone said, you know, back to the office, no one's going to be wearing athleisure anymore. But Nike just goes to show that that's not the case.
1: You know what I forgot? What? We have the millennial moment. We do. And I forgot. That's you right.
2: Know. It's a quickie today.
1: It is? Yeah. You sure?
2: Yeah. Throw it in.
1: All right. And we could always continue in the next break. All right. It's time for our megalennial herself. This Nikki Ward with the Millennial Moment. All right, Nick. What do you got?
2: All right. So the return to the office has been difficult for several reasons. Gas prices, readapting to being in public and acting so. Putting on pants, and there's another woe on the Ah, rise. Lunchflation. Lunchflation. So as of February, restaurant prices were up 6.8% year over year. That's the largest 12-month increase since 1981. So the culprits are food and labor. The PPI for all food increased 14.3% between January 2021 and 2022, while average hourly earnings among restaurant employees, well deservedly so, jumped 13.2%. Starbucks announced in February that it would have to accelerate its price hikes and cut marketing, which, I mean, I don't really think Starbucks needs that much marketing, to make up for increased transportation costs and supply chain issues. So what does lunchflation feel like? So payments company Square, which I personally own, Block, analyzed the cost of lunch staples in major U.S. cities and found significant year-over-year increases. Wraps, a personal favorite of mine for lunch up 18%. Wow. Sandwiches, I know that there are some people at this table who love sandwiches, up 14%. Salads, up 11%, and burgers are up 8%. So the Wall Street Journal spoke with workers who found that their usual orders have increased by 4 to $10. So, huh? as my dad would say, as he's listening to this on the radio, would say, well, why didn't you just brown bag it? So, while a packed lunch is almost always cheaper than going out, grocery prices are up 8.6% year over year, also, the largest increase since 1981.
1: So, I mean, yes, everything. So, starve. Everything's more expensive. So, um, I haven't noticed. I guess because restaurants going up. I know they have been.
2: Yeah, I haven't really. I have noticed more so because I've been doing more grocery shopping lately that that's increasing. And then I I've been hearing also about shrinkflation. So, like Charmin just had this big yeah. issue where they're putting less. Rolls no. on there. The
1: worst the potato chip bags.
2: Yeah. Oh, Doritos is putting air. Doritos is putting five less Dorito chips in each bag because five of, mm-hmm, because of shrinkflation. Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, we're listening to the millennial moment that I did about shrinkflation.
1: All right. So, uh, so you're saying that folks are, are spending four to eight dollars more, four to
2: ten dollars more per lunch entree. So that could include, you know, like soup and a side, whatever. But yeah, it's it's no joke.
1: I, you know what? I think that's uh, first of all. I used to eat out all the time, lunch, and I live so close to the office. I run home for lunch several times a week. I eat out. Ate out today. Patty's birthday, by the way.
2: Happy birthday, Patty.
1: Patty's birthday. We'll
2: be singing later on to celebrate.
1: Yes, it's Patty's birthday, and um yeah. So we'll be singing. She can do karaoke later. So we're happy about that. But um, yeah, I I. Mean, I I guess I didn't really notice prices going up, but I, I know I'm going to
2: start are. trying to look for it at certain restaurants where we frequent.
1: And so what do folks, are more people brown bagging it? or
2: Even still, you're still seeing increases at grocery store prices. Just one of those life is expensive. All right. Kind of a negative segment, if you will. Well,
1: that was Nikki Ward with the Millennial Moment. You were listening to the Stock Doctor Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back.
2: Nikki Ward. If you'd like to work with a powerful female financial advisor that's legally bound to do what's in your best interest and will work with you to create a detailed financial plan that reflects your goals and risk tolerance, give me Nikki Ward a call at 888-855-2855 or shoot me an email at nikki at stockdr.com.
1: Hey, everybody. We are back. You're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Numbers reach us here at the office for free portfolio reviews or if you want to get your taxes. By the way, Jared is our tax person. Guru. Uh-huh. Yes. Tax, and you specialize in capital gains
0: and crypto. So talking with so many different clients and doing taxes, well, so many people don't realize that if you had a Robinhood account or any exchange, our, you know, most of my clients did not have Robinhood accounts. No, most of ours didn't, but new clients that did, they were just tax clients, Okay, they didn't realize that their Robinhood accounts were brokerage accounts and that they have to pay taxes on trades. It doesn't matter if you took money out of the account. You have to pay capital gains taxes, whether short-term or long-term. I find that amusing that people don't it's, know this. It's been tough trying to convince people that they do indeed owe taxes, on, the, and they're getting um, statements from okay. so, from
1: those. Jared, let me just put it you put it to vernacular here. What he is saying is that you had a Robinhood account. Robinhood does not have qualified accounts. So it is a taxable account, whether it's an individual, joint, trust, whatever the case may be. You had a Robinhood account. You traded the snot out of that account. <laughs> with hundreds of transactions, which people did. The vernacular
2: oh, yes. is impeccable.
1: So, you trade the snot out of that account. Even though you did pull, didn't pull any money out, you still have to report those transactions. And so many
0: of them are going to be wash sales. At <laughs> that's the problem. And that's, if, a that's a whole other so if, if you do not know what a wash sale is, please... Just come and let us do do your taxes. Don't risk it. Don't risk incurring the IRS's wrath Um, because realistically, it could be an honest mistake. And you know what the IRS does? Oh, well, here's your fines. Yeah. Well, well the wash
1: sale, by the way, so you know, is that if you take a loss, you can't buy that stock or derivative thereof. Or or something similar, yeah. Within the, the next 30
2: days, an identical security. Right.
0: So remember, we had that story last year, the guy that did that and ended up knowing <laughs> how much in taxes, oh, yeah. like $200,000. Yeah.
2: And I think his profit was like a 34? S- yeah. 60
0: grand or something. No, it was like 34,000, I think. Okay.
1: Well, if you need help with your taxes, please give us a call 407 831 8002. Depending on the complexity of them, uh, Jared, I mean, we're we're trying to cut the
0: cut everything off by April 10th, ish, somewhere around there. The last day to file is April 18th this year. Um, but hey, good things come to those who wait. If you come in, if you're not a client of ours and want to come in, we'll give you a 20 off uh, off of your tax tax returns this year as well. All right, and then after uh, the IRS date, which you said it's
1: April 18th this year, April 18th this year. Okay, after that, the weekend. Saturday here locally in our Central Florida office, we're having a shred day.
2: Yes, it's going to be from twelve noon to three p.m. We have a wonderful shredded truck, as well as a very helpful gentleman who comes over to your car, takes all of the junk out of your trunk, and gets rid of it for you. And then you can hang out, junk out of the trunk. That's <laughs> you what's can up. hang out, relax, have a drink with us, listen to yeah, we'll some some music, beers and- shred it, bro. It's, it's a wonderful way to get rid of access documents you don't need lingering around.
1: Yep, and that is uh April 23rd on Saturday here in our office and everyone is invited. I truly do not care.
2: No, if anyway. you've got things to get rid of, you are welcome. So, Plus we'd like to meet you.
1: Exactly. So, uh just give the call at the office 407-831-8002. Um JP Morgan's they they uh they're widely-followed strategist Marco Kalon- Kalonovic, he cut his S&P 500 target recently, and his concern is what's going on geopolitically. He said, look, due to the changes geopolitically, he's not sure. He had a 50-50 S&P price target. He now dropped it to forty nine fifty. By the way, the new target still implies a 10% move from Monday's level. So here's what, what people ask me all the time. Look, we're, we're down this year. And, you know, last year when people asked, what do you think the market's going to do this year? I was never one that said double digit returns this year. I always said, I think mid to maybe five to eight percent single digit returns for the year. I have to readjust that. I think now that we'll either be break even to maybe positive a couple percent. But my point is, is like this JP Morgan analyst, he lowered his target, but still from right now, from today, I think the market could increase five to 10 percent from today. And that's what people don't understand. You know, 2022, history is going to show 2022, not a great year for stocks. But it depends on what you own, number one, mm-hmm. and depends on when you own them, number two. So I think from this point on, and that's why I tell people, you don't want to go out and sell wholesale, sell everything. It's stupid because the markets will rebound eventually. And so we have a down year. Again, you're going to look back and say, ah, oh, 2022 is a down year, It's down 2%. Not from here, not from today.
2: And if you get out and you choose the wrong time to get back in, you're going to have a down portfolio. First of all- Which much worse than a down year. And
1: anybody who says that, oh, I'll just get, get back in. You know how hard it is to get back in after you've already sold at a low? Yeah. You never know when to get back in. So to me, uh, you just don't do it. Yes, you can sell some things, maybe re- increase your cash a little bit. You can- um, you know, things that you want to own like the apples of the world or or googles of the world which stocks that we own those i want to hold for the long term
2: and like jared was saying you know if you have some capital gains maybe now is the time to harvest some of those losses right. offset some of those things
0: so and jared so you can take another maybe 10 15 yeah probably between 10 and 20 clients depending on what again depending on the complexity a lot of a uh, lot of um uh, independent contractors and LLCs are coming forward now. If it's if it's a bunch of those, then it's going to yeah. be a lower number. They if they're the simple end. returns, with just capital gains and stuff, I could probably take I could probably take closer to twenty. But just just don't wait. I mean, just get in. Just get in now. Uh, we have a full online process, virtual process. We don't have to come into the office. You can upload all your documents to an encrypted doc box, all secure, all secured. Um, it's just at www.sfgtaxprep.com. Just go through the process there and we'll be in touch. Okay. Or you can call the
1: office 407-831-8002. We have a listener question, by the way. Byron from Orlando asks, is it time to start buying the market again? I don't know how much lower it can go, (laughs) excuse me, but I'm inclined to think that we're getting close to the low. Byron, um, you know, that's a, a question we get on a daily basis. I tend to think that what we're seeing over the last week and then earlier this week may have been just an oversold bounce, a uh, a, a dead cat bounce, so to speak.
2: Because even a dead cat bounces.
1: Yes, it does. So I'm not sure that the trend has changed. I still think that we're probably in an intermediate term downtrend. Uh, we, we may test the lows once again. So I... I would say if there's, if you want to own, you said the market, that's the operative word. You didn't say individual stocks, but you said the market. I, I would say if you are somebody who buys funds and owns the market, I think the, the best indice to own right now are the small caps.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that is a place to be because small caps typically perform extremely well in a rising rate environment and inflationary times. So Russell 2000, however, uh, 40% of the stocks within those 2,000 shares or 2,000 companies are losing money. So you want to find indices that mirror somewhat the Russell 2000 or have exposure to small and mid caps that don't have companies that lose money. So, Byron, if you have, um, if you have time, give the office a call or email feedback at stockdr.com, and I'll tell you which ones to look into that will we'll do that for you.
2: Byron, you can also, to kind of take from our NVIDIA example, and if you think that now is a good time but it might not be the all-time low, put a 50% position in. If that's an index, if that's a single stock, whatever the case may be, put 50% to work right now, and if you do have an opportunity to buy it lower, put the remaining 50% in, but at least get on the elevator.
1: Yep, no, I agree. Uh, Also, don't forget to take a look if you need, if you want our 30 tips investing in the market, get a hold of us. We also have the Dirty Dozen, 12 stocks that I believe will do extremely well going forward here in the next year or two. Uh, Goldman Sachs, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there as what the next Fed meeting is going to bring. And I think it's a foregone conclusion that 50 basis points is already baked into the next meeting. Not so sure if 50 basis points is baked into the June meeting because Goldman Sachs says they believe 50 basis points in the next two meetings, which is May and June.
2: I definitely think that Trump all but said it from May. Mm-hmm. He came out after the Fed raised rates for the first time, the markets rallied, and he came back. I was like, all right, in case you guys are too busy partying and didn't really get the message, good times are yeah. coming to a halt
1: yeah the party's over when it comes to just quantitative easing and, and easy money in the markets. So it really is going to be tougher. Um, but the Goldman also believes there'll be four remaining uh, there'll be four rate hikes in the remaining meetings, so he thinks they think 50, 50, mm-hmm. and then four uh, four more meetings, 25. So that brings it up to two percent from where we are, which would be two and a quarter, two and a half percent fed funds, and then they believe another three in 2023.
2: But again, like Jerome Powell says all the time, the data is going to drive their It'll decisions. Change. So the idea of thinking about what's going to be happening in December of this year is just seems inadequate to me. It seems ridiculous.
1: Right. And I think that the economy will just start slowing down in general mm-hmm. because we already saw, even though the Fed raised rates, the Treasury was already moving up. So we already now are seeing that it reflected in mortgages. Now your credit cards are going to get hit. Now, you're going to see if you want to buy a car, it's going to cost you a little bit more money. So, you know, but that being said, the Federal Reserve also reported that household net worths were up at all time highs at the end of 2021. So the total was up 8.2% from the end of 2020, of September 2021. So between September and the end of the year, net worths were up 8.2%. But year over year, at the end of 2021, 14% net worth increase. Of course, a lot has to do with housing prices mm-hmm. and the stock market. So I, I you know, I I see that, you know, you hear all the time that individuals and family balance sheets are doing extremely well. Your your personal balance sheet is probably the best it's ever been.
2: The consumer is still strong. It's just the idea that things like Mortgage rates, things like people who are entering new debt are going to be a little more cautious, which is going to help slow down the economy.
1: All right. So let's go over our uh, top holdings. And things changed over the last week because we had some appreciation in Tesla. But number one, holding. These are individual stock holdings, folks. These are not anything else that we own for clients, funds, or ETFs. Number one is Apple. Number two, Qualcomm. Number three, Tesla just jumped in. Number three, and Disney is number four now. Google, Google, bro, number five. Nvidia jumped to number six. Amazon has had a pretty good run here lately. Number seven. Target, as my wife would call it, number eight. PayPal, number nine. And Carnival Cruise Line is uh, number 10.
2: I would love to go on a cruise.
1: I would want to go to Carnival, though. I'm sorry.
2: No, i go on the uh, Princess. Royal Caribbean
1: walkout. We own the stock. We own the stock, but yeah, Carnival's not my favorite. They own cruise.
2: Princess, though, right?
1: I don't know. I they... Norwegian to me is probably the better. Hey, you're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. Give us a call 407 831 8002. We'll see you next week.